Blog Talk Radio. gentlemen, the streak is over. That Daniel Bryant, the Hall of Fame, and much, much more today on King Jordan Radio. And welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us here today on King Jordan Radio. I am King Jordan. Today, like I said, we will be talking about the Hall of Fame, the WWE Hall of Fame, where Mr. T was inducted, Ultimate Warrior, Razor, and much, much more, and Mr. T shortened shut up. And then the next night, The Undertaker's shocking loss, and then uh, Monday Night Raw, some comeback, and uh, RVD, and much, much more. Here to discuss that with us is our... Uh, our uh, wrestling legal analyst, if you will, 
the MVP himself out of Chicago. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Double J, JJ. Good evening, JJ, and welcome to King Jordan Radio. Wow, King, it is great to be on, especially at what happened this past weekend, WrestleMania 30, the Hall of Fame, Monday Night Raw. It has been an amazing past few days. If you are a WWE fan, the WWE really epitomized the now, then, and forever. It was the end of an era and the beginning of a new era in the WWE. No question, J.D., you hit it right on the head. I do believe we have Blackjack, who was there live at WrestleMania. Let's see if he is here with us. Blackjack, are you there? Okay, uh, we'll move on for now. Blackjack, are you there? Okay. Uh, He said he might be He did tell me uh, first that The Rock was there, so I knew that going in. But uh, let's start off with the Undertaker, that is the big story. I mean, wow. Did you ever think in a million years, A, that he would lose the streak, B, that he would lose the streak to Brock Lesnar? Oh, my God. I mean, uh, when I thought about the streak, we made our predictions. I said, without a doubt, I thought the WWE really kind of fumbled the ball with this whole kind of uh, feud with Lesnar and Taker. I thought it could have been so much more than what they did. And yet, and the match itself had its issues, but I never thought that Taker would uh, lose to Brock Lesnar. It wasn't even in my mind. I thought it was a foregone conclusion that, you know, he was easily going to beat Brock Lesnar and go on to defend the streak, you know, even next year. And, you know, possibly did I ever think that the streak would end Well, yeah, part of me did think the streak would end maybe when he retires, but not not like what we saw at WrestleMania 30. That was a huge shock, and I'll never forget when the match was over and everybody in New Orleans, that 75,000, everybody, even people who were Brock Lesnar fans, and they had, you know, Brock Lesnar T-shirts or signs, you know, 21 and 1, even Brock Lesnar fans were stunned because nobody, and I mean nobody, could have even fathomed The Undertaker losing at WrestleMania. Their People's faces were just shocked. I mean, there's even uh, online memes going on with people's reactions from WrestleMania 30 just in disbelief. Nobody could believe it. It was really unbelievable. And there's so much that went into that match that a lot of people don't know, maybe, uh, who, who watched the WrestleMania 30, and it's that early on in the match, believe it or not, The Undertaker suffered a concussion. So he was already sort of out of his game, and Brock Lesnar actually had to guide The Undertaker through the match, if you can believe that. So a lot of people who complained, that, oh, this was one of Taker's, you know, worst. Yeah, this, they, people thought, oh, this is one of Taker's worst matches and all this. The guy had a concussion. He didn't know what the hell was going on. And of all people, like I said, Brock Lesnar had to guide the Undertaker, if you can believe that. And they finished the match, and it was just, you know, I, I expected that once Brock hit that F5, that Taker would raise his shoulder off the mat, and it didn't happen. And I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, did Undertaker screw up? Did he forget, you know, to kick out? What, 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 what just happened? 
You know, this was unbelievable. Right. I'm so shocked. After the match, and then let me please introduce to you, ladies and gentlemen, he was at WrestleMania 30. He wanted, broke the news that The Rock was at WrestleMania before anybody, and he knew about everything, and he's a 35-year wrestling veteran from the Chicago Sun-Times and the Daily News. Uh, my dear friend, Mr. Blackjack Brown. Good evening, Blackjack. How are you, King? How are you, JJ? I'm still in travels right now. Wow. I'm still in motion coming from uh, Mania. A, a lot of shocking things have happened. And as I told you, there was definitely a possibility of the uh, Brock beating uh, Taker. Well, like I tell you, like we've been saying, it's still shock. Like I was saying, JJ, um, after the match, I just kept waiting for, like, uh, you know, uh, somebody to come out, whether it was Hogan, uh, you know, because he was, quote-unquote, the guest referee, uh, the guest... Uh, oh. uh, he was hurt in the ring. Why didn't they usually, they usually run to ringside? No one did that. He went back to, to the just uh, by himself. No immediate attention. They were just so shocked. But they didn't even help him back to the ring. He needed to help. He was knocked out. They bounced him on his, on his back, Brock. I mean, Brock beat the out of him. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, but, you know, it wasn't a pretty match. And I can remember like, San Martino lost his championship to Ivan Koloff. And everybody was shocked then. These things do come, come to an end. And it happened with the taker. And yeah. could there be uh, a, uh, I mean, this is the uh, version of what happened years back. So, and then mm-hmm. you got Paulie in, in the mix. So that, that, that was a great uh, surprise to, for that to be, even be included with uh, uh, Paulie involved in the way that he, he has and the way he can take people to the top. And, and Lesnar is going all the way to the top at this point in time. At least he can feel like he, he's stupid, and he puts the beat down to the taker. And um, could there be another match? We don't know. But you didn't really see uh, uh, Taker flying around and in the ring like, like normal. He was really off his beat. And there was no way that Brock was going to say, listen, I'm not going to lay down for this guy. He, you know, he, there's, there's no respect with Lesnar. So there's, there's a lot going on. Could there be a return match? There's always the possibility of that if Taker can get himself back in the shape. But as far as that uh, that lost, it's it's over. The streak is definitely over. It definitely could be another match in the future, but we'll just have to wait and see with that. And uh, you notice after the match, JJ, they yeah. looked, Paul Heyman and Lesnar looked like they won the world title times oh, yeah. 10. I mean, that's the greatest victory. You talked about the WWE uh, Unified World Championship. That may be prized in the WWE, but nothing greater. Especially one year, more prestigious, and something that's really honored in wrestling 
than the Undertaker streak, and especially the last five years or so. Ever since Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and CM Punk has been uh, wrestling with the Undertaker, the Undertaker has stolen the show each year at WrestleMania. And uh, it's just such a great honor to be to be in the ring with Taker, to have this streak. It's something fans look forward to every year, and this year was no different. And uh, I said it last week, if there was ever someone who could legitimately beat The Undertaker, it's Brock Lesnar. I didn't think it would happen, but it did happen, and Brock beat the streak. He conquered The Undertaker in a way that we've never seen before, granted, like I said before, Undertaker did suffer a concussion, and when the match was over, he was immediately taken to the hospital. Vince McMahon himself left WrestleMania. Could you imagine Vince McMahon leaving WrestleMania to go to the hospital with The Undertaker? The main event of WrestleMania 30 was pretty much overseen by Triple H, uh, Triple H and Stephanie. Vince wasn't there. Vince left the Superdome. And uh, I just like to point out the Superdome, and yeah. you know he was like there. Well. Yeah, and uh, you know that's unbelievable to me that Vince McMahon would not be there for the main event of WrestleMania. But that just goes to show you how serious uh, Undertaker's injury was, and Vince, you know, protecting one of his guys, the guys who's done so much for the WWE, the Undertaker. So uh, it was a pretty serious moment last night. Wrestling fans have been going berserk online. I see people upset. They're saying my childhood is over. The WWE just crushed, you know, my childhood. People are having reactions, and that's what WrestleMania needed. A lot of people went into WrestleMania assuming that Daniel Bryan would win the title, but nobody went into WrestleMania thinking the streak would end. Not in a million years. And let me, uh, before we go on the next topic, uh, I saw it on a friend's house at WWE Network. And throughout the show, what uh, my friend did, he actually rewinded it. So it actually stopped three times. Uh, You know, minor little stops, but he had to reset his PlayStation. Mm -hmm. My question to you is, did you have any issues at all for uh, WrestleMania? Well, uh, I did hear a lot of people said they had better luck running on their video game consoles. Uh, I didn't watch the uh, WrestleMania 30 on my PlayStation 3. Instead, I took a chance and I watched it on my iPad. And uh, I did have some issues where the strip did freeze. But uh, I immediately got out of the uh, WrestleMania 30. I closed it, and then I put it back on, and it instantly kind of came back. It wasn't crystal clear. It was a little blurry, but at least the action, uh, you know, continued. So I did have problems. You know, WrestleMania 30 did not play perfectly on the network. There were some issues, but if you knew what to do, it was, you know, it wasn't too much of, a, of an experience. I would say I had a bad experience. I, you know, I thoroughly uh, enjoyed watching it on the network. It wasn't perfect, but, uh, you know, I, it was what it was. Uh, no question about it. And uh, there was probably, you know, they knew with this, this is their first pay-per-view on there, and there was That's probably right. so many people ordering it that yeah. they had to expect something. Actually, Monday they announced that 667,287 people in the United States 
have subscribed to the WWE Network. And the WWE Network has only really been around since the end of February, so we've only really had it up and running for one full month uh, of March, and now it's April. So for one month to have, you know, 667,000 is pretty impressive. So, you know, their goal is to reach 1 million by the end of the year, and I think they're definitely going to accomplish it. Absolutely. And, of course, uh, let's stay on the topic, because Sting uh, was uh, not at WrestleMania, but he was at, he flew out to the Comic-Con in Promptuators, and he said okay. his new favorite number is 31. Is that a clue that he's going to be at wrestling at WrestleMania 31? Like, like I said, I mean, uh, why would 31 be his uh, favorite number? Let's cut to the chase. I saw Sting, and that's what he told me. He hopes for next year to be at WrestleMania 31. I, I, I would say the way I told you guys about uh, Hogan being at, at 30, uh, you can look for Sting to be at uh, 31. Ben, uh, JJ, what do you think? What, do, uh, what would you like to I see happen? I, uh, the wrestling fan in me was hoping that maybe we might see Sting at WrestleMania or the Raw the next night, but it didn't happen. Uh, as Blackjack pointed out, and as you pointed out, that Sting was at the uh, comic show, and he did uh, mention that 31 was his favorite number, so that is definitely, I mean, that's a huge clue that I do believe, uh, a little bit of a spoiler, that he will play some part of WrestleMania 31, where hopefully he has one last match. Yeah, before 31, he'll be in before 31, but wow. um, he'll, he'll he'll make his way uh, between now uh, between here. Yeah. No question. And uh, I'll tell you though, they had the two-hour pregame or oh, yeah. pre-show. And, uh, you know, the red carpet that they had at the Hall of Fame, I would have liked if they did that. Well, we'll talk about the Hall of Fame after. But I would have liked that, you know, red carpet thing that they did on Saturday. Just do that instead, you know, and go out, you know, have a red carpet. That, that was a brilliant idea in terms of for the Hall of Fame, but they didn't do it for WrestleMania. No. The WrestleMania, they did what they usually do for the pay-per-views. And uh, for every pay-per-view, even before they had the WWE Network, uh, I would say this was maybe even early about last year when they started uh, to let the pre-show be aired on YouTube and, uh, you know, all your devices for free. The pre-show is essentially just, you know, Josh Matthews and some of the wrestlers, uh, you know, Booker T, Rick Flair, Don Michaels. And it's just their uh, analysis of, you know, the matches and the card and the superstars. And I pretty much expected that would uh, be the case for WrestleMania uh, 30 as well. They have Alex Riley, and they had this show called WrestleMania Today, which they aired on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Again, it's just that panel of talent discussing WrestleMania and the superstars. But I did, like you pointed out, I think that is something very interesting. It's something different. You know, they're interviewing the stars, but uh, the Hall of Fame was definitely the, uh, the best place to have a sort of red carpet event when you're honoring these great legends. And it was cool to see the guys kind of 
not really be themselves. They were just, you know, they were dressed up in their tuxedos and they were looking, the divas were dressed up in their dresses. Everybody was very cool, very nice, honoring the future Hall of Famers. And uh, it, was a, it was cool. It was a cool experience. It was different. It did feel like something you would see for like the Oscars or the Emmys, a big, you know, Hollywood affair. So it was cool. It's cool to see the WWE do something like that. And WrestleMania was uh, the perfect, uh, or the Hall of Fame, rather, was the perfect place to do it. To do it, I don't know if they'll do another sort of red carpet event, maybe for SummerSlam, whenever they do their uh, sort of access. I don't know if they're going to have a big thing this summer like they did for this year with WrestleMania. But uh, hopefully, maybe we'll see it again in the future. It's definitely something different and new. And now that you have the network to air this exclusive content, you know, you want to take advantage. So it was the first ever WWE red carpet show, and I definitely think we'll see more in the future. And uh, one last thought on The Undertaker. You know, Sting, if he would have came out and caught The Undertaker on the match, that would have been a great storyline. Uh, Sting comes out, causes Undertaker the match, which sets up WrestleMania 31, and then you have the scenario he's not undefeated anymore uh, when he takes on Sting, and then Undertaker versus Sting, a lot of people won't say, oh, the streak has to live on, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's a clean slate. It's, uh, that would be a uh, perfect situation now. Now even uh, if he goes ahead and does take on Steve Borden, a.k.a. Sting, who, is, who will be 55 uh, next year at this time. Uh, so, you know, I uh, hope to see it, but... You know, he did. He still looked good in his last appearance in TNA. He still got it. And, uh, you know, even if it's like six months to a year, and that's all he could give, uh, I would like to see him finish his career in the WWE. You know, the fans deserve it. What do you Wish think? It's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. There's nothing to wish for. It's in, it's, it's in the bag. Well, J.J., what do you think about uh, that scenario with uh, Sting causing Taker the match? And wow. uh, at least that could have justified the loss. You know, yeah. it was just a one, two, three count, basically. And it was something that was very weird in the beginning of that match because usually he has this big, sick intro in every WrestleMania, and this yeah. one was like, eh, I don't know. It just, I just. Yeah. I saw what you mean. Last boy. year was very cool. Last year he had that iconic entrance with uh, very kind of like the walking dead, and you saw all these arms, like zombie arms, reaching towards the Undertaker and the, the smoke and the fog during the entrance ramp. And this year we didn't really quite get that. This year we got a pretty standard Undertaker entrance. There weren't even any Druids. However, there was that cool kind of moment when they had the coffin uh, on the stage and the, the lightning kind of hit it and it went on fire and it represented, you know, 22-0 and 0 or, or represented Brock Lesnar being in the coffin or something. It was just something a little different. But again, you, when you think of the Undertaker's entrances over the years, he's really done everything. I mean, I don't know what more they could do with him, so maybe they were just running out of ideas. But uh, and I know what you mean. This WrestleMania just with The Undertaker felt different just from the get-go. 
And uh, that would have been very interesting to have Sting cost Taker because, as you pointed out, that would automatically kind of build this interest in Taker getting revenge on Sting and then, you know, colliding at uh, next year's WrestleMania. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen now, especially because, you know, Taker suffered that concussion. I heard a lot of reports that, you know, Taker was kind of, he wasn't uh, in the best shape during the rehearsals when they were going over the match. And then, like I said, during the match, he suffered a concussion. So who knows? I mean, if Sting would have came up, Taker might have been lost and not known what to do, uh, you know, with, when that happened. So it, it's, this was a very different WrestleMania, and it was, it was just, uh, I, I don't even have the words to describe uh, Undertaker. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I do hope that we see it. I hope that, you know, Taker has one more match left in him. A lot of people are already saying that, you know, based on what's going on and, you know, Taker's health, and, you know, he's had many surgeries. What a lot of guys don't know, he's had many surgeries over the last few years just to kind of get here. And uh, there was a lot of people that pointed out uh, last week that uh, in 2010, when they had that face-to-face with The Undertaker when he was at the UFC show uh, supporting yeah. Brock Lesnar's fight, they had that face-to-face. Taker's idea back in 2010 was to bring Lesnar in to defeat the streak. He wanted the streak to be over back in 2010, but Dana White kind of put a wrench in the, in the works because Dana White would release Brock Lesnar from his UFC contract. He says, you're either a fighter or a wrestler. You're not going to do both. But then, you know, Brock got sick. He almost died. And eventually, you know, he came back to the UFC. He finished his career with them. And then he did come back to the WWE, and they've slowly been building up this, this match with The Undertaker. We saw it last year where Paul Heyman had his guy, CM Punk, and now this year Paul Heyman had his other guy. He had... He had a beast. He had Brock Lesnar. We finally had that match, Lesnar-Taker, and this time, you know, Brock put an end to the streak. Brock did what, what 21 others couldn't. And I said it before, if there's one guy could do it, it would be Brock Lesnar because he is a legitimate threat. He is an ultimate fighting champion. Unlike any before, this guy's got the credentials. But I still, I still couldn't believe it. No question. Okay, let's take a listen to this, and then we'll come back, and we'll talk about the Daniel Bryan story. Another big story of WrestleMania is that Daniel Bryan is, in fact, yes. the WWE World yes. Heavyweight Champion. Yes. 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 That's yes. the guy with the beard? Yes. Is that it? Yeah, that's that dude with the, beard. Beard. the beard. You know, I interviewed him two years ago. And the furry boots. Did you notice that? Furry I did. Boots. Go fur boots. Hashtag furry boots. We all interviewed him two years ago. And you know, it's interesting. I did a great job with that, yeah. And it's interesting to me. That cat update. I'll be right back. You guys talk. He's still coming out here? I don't it know. It might what, be a she. I don't know what's going on. You know, the fact that you, who is allergic to cats, is the one disposing well, of that, cat. let, Hashtag furry But boots. let me continue this Daniel Bryan thing. I didn't know about Ring of Honor or Daniel Bryan until he came to WWE with the NXT. And when he came back at SummerSlam after so, so, 
seemingly being fired for that whole Justin Roberts incident, I was like, wow, this guy is, he's got short hair, he's little, but he is an amazing wrestler. He's my new favorite wrestler. I had no clue he would be taken to the heights of not just a WrestleMania main event, but winning the world championship in the main event of a WrestleMania. It's, I never would have fathomed it, and it's so nice to see that a really talented guy on the mic, to me, to me, comes across as very natural, finally did it. We share the same name, that's why he's awesome, and I'm so happy he's WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Your name is Daniel? That's all. My what? name is Brian, and his last name's Brian. Mike. That's all wonderful and good, but the fact of the matter is, you know, that is, a, you know, a great sweetheart ending to a less than sweetheart Cinderella story. I what mean, do you mean, we all know for the fact that this has been a ridiculous ride for Daniel Bryan. I disagree. I'm sorry, I disagree. Everyone's saying he's being treated horribly. Okay, he's marrying a Bella. Granted, that's part of his personal life. Hear me out. He's marrying a Bella. He's been focused mainly in the last couple months so he didn't win the belt he got screwed by the authority but he had major TV time I don't want to hear anybody talking about Daniel Bryan getting screwed by WWE Jared, really? gave, Jared gave the cat jerky I don't know if Cap can have Cats jerky Cats love chorizo jerky well we got her out of the house so that drama is done well speaking of jerky she won't be coming back <laughs> speaking of jerky <laughs> no Mark is saying that Daniel Bryan had, didn't have this story but career going on in the past many months because he's been screwed over and I disagree he's had TV time he's been the main no, no, focus no, 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 I no, think I, it's been fantastic for him no this has not been fantastic at all at all what are you talking okay I, right. I, I'm sorry I, it's I, not I, been properly done but this is still a good story for Daniel Bryan we got, okay. our, we got our happy ending tonight I thought the way they did that was actually masterful in the in the main event, the stretcher job, the stretcher job coming <laughs> coming off the stretcher, people people were dead for the first half of that main event, and when Brian got his comeback, when they did the stretcher job, and he came off the stretcher like Mick Foley did in the Hell in a Cell match in Pittsburgh, people came alive for it. I thought the way they did, there, there were two moments in the main event towards the end that my heart skipped the beat. Uh, I don't remember which. I, there were two spots. One might have been an Batista R- bomb. It, it was a Batista bomb spot, but it was also an RKO spot uh, where Orton laid out Batista, went for a pin. This was Brian was out of the picture at this point, and it came very, very close to being within a, an inch, a three count, and my heart jumped up into my throat. Wait a minute. Why? You told me on this trip. You said there's no way Daniel Bryan no, is walking out that champion. But, but, you know, in the moment though, there were several parts of that match. But you where know what? I also, I also said Undertaker was going to beat Shawn Michaels. There was never a doubt in my mind that Undertaker was beating Shawn Michaels in those two matches. That first match they had at 25 is my all-time favorite Mania match. <clears throat> but even in that match, they got me. They did such a good job. There was that one tombstone spot where they got me. And they got me in this match. I thought they did a tremendous job in this main event. Fair enough. It, it, it kind of saved the show in a way. I mean, people were still talking about the streak ending as we left the building. People were still in shock. but It was still trending. It was the perfect ending to the show. We had the big pyro display. We had the confetti bath. Confetti all over the place. Brian celebrating. I think was that his sister? I think his sister maybe and, and his kids. N- his niece. His niece maybe came into the ring. Cute kid. Uh, very reminiscent in some way. Well, well. Ah. Uh, what? Wait, what? I don't know what you're talking about. Very, very reminiscent of a moment that we saw uh, with family in the ring of WrestleMania 20. 
ten you years ago. Say his name. It's not WWE uh, programming. Hopefully, the uh, the outcome of this is very different. <laughs> hopefully, probably <laughs> uh, just how about we mean assume it is. You mean okay. hopefully Daniel Bryan will kill his sister and his and his, and his niece. All right, all right. But no, but, but no. Well, but I'm just it, saying. I thought that this is the drunk show. If everybody wanted the drunk show, you got the. Drunk I show. thought the end of this show was was was. Excellent. That's right. I yeah. enjoyed the ending a great deal. Uh, I think overall, I probably should have said this at the beginning, but I thought overall this was a very this was a very good WrestleMania. It was not a great WrestleMania, but, but got, would you say a B plus WrestleMania? It was a B plus WrestleMania. I agree, absolutely, and probably the, plus. probably the best WrestleMania live that we have seen in the last three. I've now attended three WrestleManias: twenty eight, twenty nine, and thirty, and they all had their moments. The first one is special, of course. Mm-hmm. But this one from the opening segment, which was awesome. All right, JJ, agree or disagree? What's your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, everything that the WWE's been doing since SummerSlam to Daniel Bryan, I mean, whether or not this was intentional or supposed to happen, this is what happened. And this was definitely Daniel Bryan's sort of summer, from SummerSlam till now. Even when he was joining the Wyatts and he seemed like he was kind of off the center of attention, I mean, the fans were still with him 100%. They didn't turn their backs on Daniel Bryan. They were always with him. The Yes movement was as strong as, as it's ever been, and it's something that's been developing for a very long time. Uh, you know, even just when you watch that video package, uh, when they had the video package of Daniel Bryan and Daniel Bryan's evolution, you know, from when he started in NXT and he had, believe it or not, of all people, The Miz coaching him saying, you're not a superstar, you don't have any personality, you're not anybody, who are you? And so you look at that transformation that Daniel Bryan has, he is a superstar, he does have a personality, it's a little bit different than some of the larger personalities like Hogan and Savage and Warrior, but he does have his own voice. It's different. It's sort of new. Uh, his look is unique. And uh, in a lot of ways, like the song says by Imagine Dragons, he's a monster. When you watch Daniel Bryan wrestle, he's just like a man possessed. And another thing I don't really understand, but a lot of people keep bringing this up, is his furry boots. I don't know why these wrestling fans are talking about a man's boots. You know, but uh, I also read online that Daniel Bryan said the whole furry boots thing was in honor of Bruiser Brody. So that's what I read. So that's why all the people asking, oh, why about the furry boots? Okay, well, Bruiser Brody. Okay, so let's move on. Let's go back to the match. The match, I thought they did a great job. Triple threat matches sometimes are chaotic. There's a lot of stuff going on. It's hard to pay attention. But I thought they did a really uh, well job. They had it where Daniel Bryan already had to wrestle a match before the main event. He wrestled Triple H. And I think Triple H never looked better. And I think uh, Stephanie McMahon, someone who we haven't seen you know, in a managerial role, she was there ringside with Triple H. She was awesome. She was so in that match. It was unbelievable. I haven't seen, you know, a manager that enthusiastic in a long time. She was right there with her husband, you know, the game, and she was really into it. It was a, a great moment. And then, like I said, you fast forward to the main event, and then Daniel Bryan's already worn out. He had a hellacious match with Triple H. He's going into uh, the this world, the WWE World Championship match against a fresh Batista and Randy Orton. And they did have that moment where they, they just kind of double-teamed them. And they did this really great spot where Batista was on the announce table. 
Orton was on the announce tape, table, and Batista did a Batista bomb, and Randy Orton caught him, caught Daniel Bryan, and they turned it into a Batista bomb RKO through the announce table. That was a beautiful spot, something we've never seen before. And once that happened, Daniel Bryan was stretchered out of the arena, and then by the time he made it up to the ramp, as they pointed out, much like Mick Foley at Hell in a Cell, Daniel Bryan got off that stretcher, and he crawled his way back to the ring, and he finished the match. And, you know, you were with him through every moment of that match, when he was going after Orton and when uh, Batista, and you kind of saw this kind of weird sort of uh, uh, moment where Orton and Batista were working together, and you saw that signs of evolution, them being on the same page and double-teaming Daniel Bryan, and it still wasn't enough. And Daniel Bryan finally got the major victory, the victory of a lifetime, the main event of WrestleMania winning the most coveted prize, the WWE World Championship, something that was a dream for him as a wrestler to be on stage at WrestleMania in the main event winning the championship. This was a lifelong dream for him. And they pointed out WrestleMania 20 with Benoit and Eddie, and I pointed out last week on King Jordan something that nobody else seems to remember, but WrestleMania 10 and Madison Square Garden, Brett winning the title from Yoko, and the roster came out. They were him. There were fireworks, and we saw that tonight, or not tonight, but this past WrestleMania, WrestleMania 30, the fireworks, the confetti, Daniel Bryan holding the titles. That was his sister, and that was yes. his sister. And uh, Brie Bella wanted to come out. She actually went on Twitter and said, I wanted to celebrate with my man, but she couldn't. So the WWE officials, they did not want her out there. For whatever reason, I can't tell you. Maybe they're not sure if uh, their wedding is going to work out. Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella will be getting married this Friday. So congratulations to them. I'm sure they're going to have a very short honeymoon because they're going to have to go back to work uh, for the weekend. And, you know, he's the champion, so he can't really miss any time. But uh, it's a shame she wasn't out there. I thought it would have been really nice and extra special to have his fiance there, but the WWE wouldn't allow it. That's on them. Like, like I don't know why, but like I said, it was, it was still a very special moment in a moment that 75,000 people in New Orleans at the Superdome were just really into it. They were cheering. Uh, people were crying. It was a very Man, special. They were all in the streets. They were all in the streets on Bourbon Street. I mean, these they, they shut that place down. But I mean, it was unbelievable. People from from uh, different uh, countries and, yeah. and uh, cities. That, that that place. It, it was for miles down there. It was <laughs> all down the street. And the, and the, yes, yes, yes. All through the street, all in the, the hotel, all across the rivers, all in the bad neighborhood, all in the good neighborhood. That place <laughs> wild. You hear me? I, I mean, it was unbelievable. And then coming back on the train uh, from New Orleans to Chicago, there was a time with all the fans in the Amtrak car, they were chitting, yes, yes. Yes, everybody had their moment, you know. So they had to they give, give to Brian uh, just for the uplifting factor of Undertaker loss. I still yeah. think uh, Orton 
uh, Randy Orton was going to still keep that title, but they had to stay in the Huh? Yep. You picked uh, Randy Orton. Yeah, I can. I still do. <laughs> well, no, you get what you. What do you mean you still do? That's like saying. I still pick the, uh, the, the Yankees to win the World Series after they lost. I think because of Taker's loss, uh, yeah. they had to in, in, in another direction. I mean, that's, yeah. uh, the fans were so bad. I think it would have been a, 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 a double uh, letdown of, about Mania. You know what I'm saying? So they had to give the fans something, I believe. Yeah, uh, that's what I said. Because once Undertaker won, I already knew Bryant was going to win, in my opinion. I thought that mm-hmm. even with Undertaker winning. But that cemented it. Once Undertaker lost, they were, the crowd was pissed off as it is. And you yeah. notice that they made a strategic move by putting the women's match in after the loss and oh, yeah. uh, not putting the Undertaker right before, uh, yeah. knowing what the outcome was going to be. Because uh, if you would have had Undertaker and then went to uh, the three-way, the crowd would have been really uh, worn well, out from Undertaker. Situation, King. You hear what I'm saying? A riotous situation that could have happened out there. Of course, but uh, you know what's really interesting with Daniel Bryan? First of all, he was in Ring of Honor. Uh, yeah. You know, there's not a lot of people that know about Ring of Honor. I'll tell you about it. Maybe I might be being generous, but 15% of wrestling fans that they know about Ring of Honor and about, about. 7% actually watch it. You know, this is a WWE situation, and then everybody is way down. And uh, But give Ring of Honor uh, uh, respect. They have produced yes. uh, some major, major talent, you know. It reminds me of the, uh, the other the years by the ECW had Taz, the Dudleys, and so on. And the WWE started taking talent from them, Rob mm-hmm. Van Dam, Tommy Dreamer, and the Dudleys, and, and you know, the same situation. Now it's the Ring of Honor uh, superstars. And Daniel Bryan, it really felt like this was his first time winning the title. And I it tell did. you, some crowd actually probably even thought that because <laughs> he got reaction like he just wanted for the first time. So uh, it was truly an amazing uh, moment uh, for Daniel Bryan and for the crowd. And Mm -hmm. I don't know how, I don't know what the situation is, but the way the fans are into this yes, yes, yes deal, I've never seen anything like this ever. It's It's almost like, wow, I just... I'm in shock how over the yes thing is. Yeah. So uh, it's 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 really good though. Uh, uh, Batista and Randy Orton really worked good in yeah. terms of uh, you know putting it all out there. At first, I was very unhappy with Batista being in the match, but yeah. uh, with that said, I think Batista worked his ass off, and it all did. three. Men should be commended uh, on putting on a uh, great match. And where yeah. were you sitting, Blackjack? 
I was there. You hear me, King? King. Yeah. 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 I know. Yeah. yeah I had, yes. I was at the uh, in, in the press area, and um, they, they treated uh, the press very well. There was a press conference. Um, I was uh, up and down and all over the place there, but um, I was in the press box. I had a great time there. They give you an exclusive uh, uh, one of those HD TVs, and you can get to see certain things uh, with certain matches, you know, with, with the reality of, of it, you know. It was really great. I had a great time. And i tell you what was great, J.J., in the beginning, when you saw Hulk Hogan, when you oh. saw... Stone Cold Steve Austin, and then The Rock in the ring. And after they drank the beers, it was, it was over and right then and there. The I mean, <laughs> talk great. about a Kodak moment. I mean, <laughs> talk about a Kodak moment. Talk about a picture that's worth a thousand words. That was just amazing to see those three icons, uh, three that, you know, always had time away from the WWE, came back, left, came back, had issues with Vince, all three of them, uh, all three icons, all three won titles in the WWE, and all three of those wrestlers made a difference in every uh, WWE wrestling fan's uh, life in some way or another. So that was just a great moment. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, how else could you start off WrestleMania 30? Uh, this is one of the biggest events of the year, the 29th anniversary. A lot of people get confused between the anniversary and the event. It's the 29th anniversary, but it is the 30th numbered event of WrestleMania 30 to kick it off with Hulkamania, Hulk Hogan going out there doing the, you know, what you're going to do, brother, and then you have Stone Cold Steve Austin in the glass shatter, and he comes face-to-face with Hogan, and he flat-out asks the fans, do you want Stone Cold Steve Austin to stun Hulk Hogan? Give me a hell yeah. And 75,000 people chant, hell yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, Stone Cold <laughs> so coming out, yeah. smell what the rock is cooking, and all these guys in the ring at the same time. Uh, I believe they even said it, the announcers, I don't know who, they said, you know, if you could build a Mount Rushmore of the WWE, you'd have to include those three men because nobody has done more, you know, for the WWE than those three guys. Hulkamania, the Stone Cold Steve Austin era, and The Rock, who really meant, uh, who took over after Austin and then went mainstream into Hollywood. I mean, those guys have done it all and then some, and to have them in the ring together, it was just a very, very special way to kick off WrestleMania 30. It was just awesome. It was huge. That's why I wanted uh, the gold there. You know, I didn't expect nothing less. I had a great time. The fans had a great time. All but the the taker situation. But they got to adjust with times. You know, all things don't uh, stay the same forever like that. You know, you want to see a streak, but um, we see see the streak as best as, as far as it can go. And yeah. uh, now we move on to the next uh, phase. And uh, but uh, you were going back to the Mount Rushmore. Of course, that would be four wrestlers, and uh, you know, the Undertaker could definitely put his name in the hat for that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. if you have four of the best 
strictly WWF slash WWE wrestlers. You know, Hulk Hogan, definitely. Um, Rock, definitely. Steve Austin, I would say, definitely. And then, you know, it's depending on who you like. It's Shawn Michaels. It could be Bret Hart. What about Andre the Giant? That's true. It's really depending on it could be Bruno if you go back that far. Uh, you know, a lot of people said you know Mike Tyson once said that Bruno was his uh, favorite wrestler. And right. uh, no, it, you know, but for me, actually, it would be the Ultimate Warrior, which we'll get to after. And uh, wow, he just he 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 took he he. Stole the the show as he was sweating away there, but um, the uh, Andre the Giant Battle Royal we had uh, JJ and uh, we had uh, unexpected at least in my uh, estimation Cesaro. Cause it was a, yeah, he was a huge surprise because he wasn't scheduled to be in the match. Because that thing definitely, definitely threw everybody off. I, I you know, figured, um, especially with the endorsement of Roddy Piper, you figured yeah. that big show, it was a shoe-in. But yeah. the hell no, man. What the hell went, went down with that? That was good well, Whenever they say it's going to be, you never go with that guy. And then, I, you know what would have been great if he could? Just swing uh, a big show around. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yes, that would have been a WrestleMania moment. That's what I was. That, that's what I was looking for, but it didn't happen. He should have done that. You know what? But like listen, it was good for they guys like that who needed a push. Right? They recreated, they recreated WrestleMania three, and you got to respect them for that. Because at the end of the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, what did we see? We saw Antonio Cesaro lift up. The Big Show in a body slam position, very similar to when Hogan body slammed Andre. And we saw Cesaro, who by no means is as big, you know, muscular as as Hulk Hogan. He's a little leaner, but he's still a freak of nature when it comes to his strength. And he picked up Big Show over his head and threw him over the ropes. So that was a very cool way to end the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal with that moment. Uh, absolutely, and uh, just sticking with the Cesaro theme, let's take a listen to this clip uh, following the roar last night. Not only did I make you a real American, I made you a Zeb Coulter guy. I'm not a Zeb Coulter guy. What? I'm a Paul Heyman guy. Are you kidding me? Please welcome my guest at this time, Paul Heyman, along with his newest client, Cesaro. You are the newest Paul Heyman guy. Now, Mr. Heyman, you have had numerous amazing superstars that have accomplished so much under your name. What is it about Cesaro that has drawn you to, to taking him under your guidance? 
Done. Your question shall be answered now, Ms. Young. What is it about Cesaro? Cesaro, the king of swing, is the next guaranteed 100% bona fide main eventer in WWE and shall become the next WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Go ahead. Doubt me. Tell me how wrong I am. I said the streak would be broken. You looked at me as if I had no idea of what I was talking about. I'm telling you, Cesaro is the next big star in WWE. Doubt me. Well, Cesaro, yesterday at WrestleMania, you accomplished a WrestleMania moment. You won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, earning your trophy, which unfortunately was destroyed at the hands of your former tag partner, Jack Swagger. See, you can destroy the trophy, but you cannot take away my accomplishment, which is only going to be the first of many more to come. Thank you both very much for your time. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you, JJ, uh, no, nobody like Paul Haybert to uh, 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 represent the you uh, in terms of uh, Cesar. Exactly. I mean, earlier in the show, we saw Paul Heyman accompany Brock Lesnar, and Paul Heyman gave the promo of a lifetime. I've never seen him so on before in my life. And once that was over with, I thought that was the last we were going to see of Paul Heyman. And the funny thing is, you know, I follow Paul Heyman on Twitter, and he's been talking about finding a new Paul Heyman guy. And I don't know, who, who could he be bringing in as the new Paul Heyman guy? I'm thinking maybe someone from NXT, maybe that Alexander Rusev. I don't know what's going on. And sure enough, on Monday Night Raw, we had that situation with Antonio Cesaro and Zeb Coulter, and they were honoring him with the Andre the Giant Memorial Trophy. And then Zeb Coulter interrupted Cesaro. He wouldn't let Cesaro speak, and Cesaro was getting pissed off. And then he made that point, as you heard in that, that clip. He said, I'm not a Zeb Coulter guy. I'm a Paul Heyman guy, and I was freaking out. I was getting chills when Paul Heyman came out accompanied with Antonio Cesaro. No greater person to have in your corner than Paul Heyman. You know, Cesaro is a great worker in that ring. You talked about guys from Ring of Honor, Daniel Bryan, uh, Seth Rollins, and Antonio Cesaro. That's where excellence is created. To have a guy like Paul Heyman to speak for Cesaro that's going to be great because Cesaro, as great of a wrestler he is in that ring, I do think he needs someone to help push him when it comes to delivering his promos. And there's nobody better than Paul Heyman to be his advocate and his voice. And we've seen what Paul Heyman has done for Lesnar. We saw what Paul Heyman did for CM Punk. I mean, those guys were really at their best when they had Paul Heyman in their corner. Uh, You know, and... It's just going to be the sky's the limit for Cesaro. There's people already saying that WrestleMania 31 is going to be Brock Lesnar, maybe even versus Antonio Cesaro. Who knows what happens a year from now. 
But Cesaro is going to be a big-time player with Paul Heyman in his corner, and I can't wait. The only thing I'm curious about is what they do with Cesaro. Right now, the people are behind him. You hear at WrestleMania the weave of people, and they're, they want to see that Cesaro swing. And even at Raw, you know, the fans were singing. They were singing that real American song. They were going, da, 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 da. They were really into Cesaro, not Zeb Coulter, not Jack Swagger, not so much the real Americans, but Cesaro. They are into this guy. And like I said, he is going to be doing a lot of big things in the next few months. Yeah, I mean, look, they made this Andre the Giant, this huge name, and to be the first one to win that, you know, it's almost like winning a new title. Like an yeah. continental title of some sorts. Like uh, you know, the ring. Or the ring. Something like that. Because I think they're going to have that battle royal now yearly. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they we might. Do. What about you, Blackjack? you think they'll have that, that, that uh, Andre the Giant battle royal? Is it going to be the same statue or is it, they're going to do another one? Does he have oh. to hand it off to the next person? Next year? You understand what I'm uh, saying? I don't know how that would work. I mean, I guess Cesaro has it now, so I don't know. <laughs> In the storyline, I guess uh, they would have to they have to make him a new one, first of all. He so, doesn't have uh, to maybe, I would say, he doesn't have to get back in it next year. He's already proven himself. And uh, look for him to uh, get a title shot between now and next WrestleMania. Uh, money at the bank. That's the next uh, champion type of deal, you know? Oh, that's good. Well, and how many people were in that Andre the Giant Battle Royal, JJ? Well, it was advertised to be 30 men. Unfortunately, Christian suffered a concussion, and he was not a part of the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. But because Cesaro filled in, I do believe there were at least 29. Hogan said on Raw there were 31. There's no way in hell. I can't well, believe Hogan, really, you know, he's 65 no years old now. He's 60, yeah, but I'm he, kidding. And he's yeah. also said that he, was at, he, was, he, he thought he was in 1987 uh, <laughs> the other day at WrestleMania when he called, uh, what did he say? The mistake? Superdome. And he called it the Silver Dome, and the fans were booing. In fact, there were people at the arena chanting Sil- uh, Super Dome. And Hogan, you know, he got, his face got a little red or even redder than that uh, tan. But even the Rock cracked the jokes at him and Austin. They were just kind of teasing him about the, the Silver Dome, Super Dome uh, reference. It, it was pretty funny. <laughs> no question about it. But what it does is a guy like that guy who wanted Cesaro, uh, it gives him a chance to be on the actual WrestleMania card, not the pre, but the mm-hmm. actual card. And, you know, the other guys that were in it, like Goldust, I believe, was in it. Um, yep. All these guys that probably, you know, would never uh, know for being on WrestleMania uh, yep. normally, uh, they all schlepped them together in a decent battle royal. Actually, you know, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. You know, like as you pointed out, guys who would never get the opportunity to ever, 
ever appear at WrestleMania. If you look back in previous years, a lot of guys got cut from the WrestleMania card just because there wasn't enough room due to the matches and the storylines. But this is a great way to include uh, you know, a group of people who would never get a shot. The, the guys from 3MB were in the Battle Royal. You know, Zack Ryder was in the Battle Royal, you know. So it was very cool to see other guys get the opportunity to just, you know, appear at a WrestleMania, to say, you know, I was there. And, you know, Goldust, Cody Rhodes, and Dolph Ziggler, and, you know, everybody got an opportunity to be there and compete in some way, shape, or form to have a moment. Kofi Kingston, just like he does at the Royal Rumble, he had one of those, oh, my God, I can't believe I just saw that. He was uh, in the ring, and he was running towards, I don't know who it was, but someone just threw him over his head, over the ring post, and he went landing outside the ring. But when he landed outside the ring, his feet hit the steps, and his back and his body was on the floor. However, the rules of a battle royal or the Royal Rumble is you are eliminated once your feet touch the floor. Kofi Kingston's feet never touched the floor. They were on the ring steps, so he climbed his way back into the match. That was a great moment. It certainly was. Uh, let's go to uh, another great match, Bray Wyatt and John Cena. What a match. J.J., why don't you uh, uh, talk about this match and how you felt about it? Well, going into this match, I thought without a doubt that the WWE would pass the torch to Bray Wyatt. He had a lot of momentum. The fans are behind him. His whole character and persona is just so big right now. And I thought without a doubt he's winning this match. However, I've been watching those WrestleMania Todays on the WWE Network that they were, they've been airing with the superstar panels with Booker T, Josh Matthews, Alex Riley, Jason Albert. And they've been pointing out that something I didn't like. They were pointing out that Bray Wyatt doesn't need, he doesn't want to win the match. Bray Wyatt wants to destroy John Cena's legacy. And they kept making that a point. They were saying that Bray doesn't want to win the match. He wants to destroy John Cena. And that, right away that told me, oh, great, he's not winning this match. Cena's going to win. And sure enough, that's kind of what happened. But... What was interesting about the match was that the very fact that Bray Wyatt was testing John Cena. John Cena, who's all about hustle, tea, loyalty, and respect. Bray Wyatt was testing uh, John Cena's heart and his mind. Before the match even started, Bray went on his knees and he says, finish me, finish me, hit me. And you know, Cena wouldn't do it. He wouldn't take advantage of Bray Wyatt. He kept telling Bray Wyatt, get on your feet. And they wrestled, and every time they got an opportunity to, uh, you know, to fight, you know, Bray Wyatt would throw a chair in the ring, and he would give the chair to Cena and goes, hit me, hit me. He wanted Cena to lose his cool. So often we see Cena very politically correct. You know, he's Mr. PG. He's very cool with the kids. We've never really yeah. seen lose his temper. And Bray Wyatt was trying to make Cena lose his cool. And he never quite accomplished that. But that was what the match was about. It wasn't about the wrestling. It wasn't about Bray or Cena winning. It was all about Bray testing John Cena. So in that theory, I thought they did a really great job. It was more about the story 
in the match itself. And I thought they told a pretty good story. The fans, you know, the kids watching WrestleMania 30, they got their hero, John Cena, getting a big victory. So they're glad about that. But Bray Wyatt's momentum didn't end. So I was very happy the next okay. night I saw the momentum continued with Bray Wyatt. So even though he didn't win in WrestleMania 30, it didn't hurt Bray Wyatt because that was what I was afraid of. I was afraid a win uh, for John Cena would hurt Bray Wyatt, and it didn't. So I was very happy with uh, how that match turned out. Absolutely. like uh, he, They definitely won the war, even though he wouldn't win the match. You yes. know, he definitely got the rub of uh, fighting John Cena. I mean, look, he's on the card. You know, fighting you know one of the top WWE superstars, and you know whatever happens happens. But uh, he got a lot of momentum now uh, from being at WrestleMania and fighting Mr. John Cena in a very right. close match. Could have went either way. Yeah, and it was a good match. And Cena prevailed. Yeah, I, I agree, and I like that he did that uh, crazy kind of upside-down walk again. A lot of people love that. It's freaky. It's strange. It's like Linda Blair from The Exorcist. There was a point where Cena went to pick him up off the mat, and he just was upside-down doing that walk. It was definitely a WrestleMania moment. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, we have the uh, uh, Invitational. Uh, what's it called? The Victoria Invitational left to talk about. Yes, why the, don't uh, you Div- take that, JJ? Yes, the uh, Divas Battle Royal Invitational, which featured essentially almost all the Divas in the roster, were going up against AJ Lee. She's defeated each one of them over and over again. And this time, uh, Vicky Guerrero, she put them all in the ring, and uh, the first pinfall would decide the winner and new champion. A.J. Lee, who's been champion for, at the time, 294 days going into WrestleMania. I mean, she's the longest reigning Divas champion, and she's just had a really great role. It's kind of slowed down a bit, so, you know, this match in deciding a new champion was going to be a very big deal. I don't think anyone thought A.J. was going to retain the title. They thought somebody, maybe Naomi or or possibly Tamina Snuka, that was my pick, would win and defeat AJ. But it didn't happen. The Divas, you know, they they all picked on AJ right away when the match started. Tamina and AJ were back-to-back, and the Divas just kind of attacked them. And, uh, you know, it was was what it was. It was kind of chaotic. It didn't last too long. But we did have a moment for if you're a fan of Total Divas, and the Bellas were in the ring, and they kind of had this face-to-face. So you saw Bree and Nikki, the two sisters, kind of, you know, sort of face each other, something we've never really quite seen in the WWE, the two sisters going at it. And, uh, you know, it was a good match, but what happened at the end of the, the day was A.J. Lee, the ultimate opportunist. She took advantage of a situation, and she uh, put the Black Widow submission move on Naomi, and she got her to tap out and AJ walked out the Divas champion. But, you know, I'm very happy for her because this was a lifelong dream to be able to go into WrestleMania as the Divas champion. She said that she was at WrestleMania 20 as a fan. She paid as a fan, was rinks or not ringside, but she was in the audience 
at WrestleMania 20, and here, 10 years later, WrestleMania 30, she walks in as champion, she walks out as champion. So, again, WrestleMania 30, all about dreams coming true. Who, 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 who went at WrestleMania 20? A.J. Lee. A.J. Lee was a fan in the audience for WrestleMania 20. You know, she was a fan. Wow. In the, and here she is, she's, you know, the match at WrestleMania as the champion, and she walked out as the champion. She even has the date she won the title tattooed on the back of her neck. So this means a lot to her. So it was a very big moment for AJ Lee. I was I was happy she won. Oh, I totally uh I totally agree. And she's with uh, Daniel Bryan, right? Oh I mean no, uh, no. Punk. Yes, she is engaged. She is engaged to CM Punk. She will be moving to Chicago pretty soon. So congratulations to the engagement of AJ Lee and CM Punk. Although if I could say one thing, you know, I I like AJ Lee. I respect Punk. He's my boy from Chicago. But when the fans chant CM Punk to AJ Lee, I feel like that's crossing a line. Don't bring their personal lives into the wrestling ring. If you're bored with a match and you don't like what you're seeing, you want to chant CM Punk, fine, go ahead. I don't have a problem with that. There's a lot of people that don't like it when the, when the fans chant CM Punk or Chris Jericho, you know, when they're not in the ring or they're not even in the WWE at the moment. But you know what? The fans pay their hard-earned money to go to the arenas. They can cheer whoever they want. But there's, I think there comes a line when you're talking about people's personal lives it should remain personal. So I would appreciate if other fans just don't do the CM Punk chants during AJ Lee's match. It's just, uh, you know, it's not really appropriate. Although I will say, on Monday Night Raw, she did make a point of saying that she is the best diva in the world. So that was pretty cool. Well, absolutely. And uh, anything, uh, is that show... uh I saw the last one with Natty Nightheart, uh, you know, yelling at someone. Has there been a new episode yet? You know what? They did not have an episode uh, on Sunday because of WrestleMania. So because of WrestleMania, Total Divas had uh, a repeat. They weren't. There wasn't a new episode on Sunday, but I do believe it will be back this Sunday with an all-new episode. So that I'm looking forward to see it. I enjoy it. Uh, it's a very interesting show that takes you beyond the, uh, you know, beyond the cameras to see what goes on with these girls, you know, lives inside and outside the ring. It gives you a when better you opportunity. Daniel Bryan on it. Yeah, Daniel Bryan. You can see Daniel Bryan. You can watch John Cena. You could watch uh, Jimmy Uso. Uh, you'll even see Fandango a part of it just because he's partnered up with Summer Rae, who's now on there in the season two. So you do see some of the superstars. So it is pretty cool just to see what they're doing. We saw John Cena when he had that surgery uh, during SummerSlam. He had that football on his elbow. So we saw John Cena's surgery on Total Divas just because – you know, he's dating Nikki Bella. Absolutely. We also had a uh, backstage encounter with uh, Hulk Hogan, and then you had Mean Gene doing the interviewing. And on one side... Referee Danny Davis, Pat Referee Dangerous, Dangerous Danny Davis. And uh, 
You saw it, and I, I didn't even know he looked so old. Mr. Wonderful Paul Waldorf looked about 100. But in any event, you had him, and you had Piper, and, and then you had Hogan, and then popped Mr. T. So, <laughs> and then I think you saw Pep. I don't know, but they tried to... Yeah, he to was a referee. Little... Referee right, status. Right, because right. he was the referee for part one. Right. So, that's amazing. Uh, did you see that? You know what I'm talking about, JJ? Oh, yes. I do remember seeing Rowdy Piper with Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and, of course, Hulk Hogan. Danny Davis was there. I think even Pat Patterson made a cameo. And as you point out, Mr. T, you basically had the main event of WrestleMania 1, you know, backstage and on camera. It was a, a very cool throwback, although... You know, this is, isn't 30 years ago. It's 30 years today. And, you know, you know, they look a lot different, some of them. You know, Paul Orndorff, you know, doesn't look exactly well, the same. Yeah, we'll get into it after. But uh, yeah. they they had to get Mr. T uh, to shut the hell up already when he was doing his speech talking about his mama. Uh, they brought out Kane, but we'll get to that after. That was uh, crazy because Mr. T did not come up for air. God bless him. The, the, the man could talk like no other. But uh, we anything else from uh, WrestleMania, JJ? Well, of course, uh, there was the Shield match with uh, the New Age Outlaws right. and Kane. If you if you blinked your eyes, you might have missed it. That match went right. by so quick. You know, it just flew by. They just made the Shield look dominant. They came in there. Roman Reigns hit the spear. You know, uh, Ambrose and Rollins did their suicide dives to the Outlaws. I mean, it was a very quick, fast-paced match, and it was even quicker because it was over before I knew it. But they did have a really great way to end the match, and they had uh, Roman the heel had, you know, the New Age Outlaws, and they picked them up, and normally Roman Reigns does a triple powerbomb. You know, you'll have Roman Reigns holding somebody up, Rollins, Ambrose holding them up, and then they all they all deliver this you know massive triple power bomb. But this time it was different because this time Ambrose had one person on his shoulder, and Rollins had someone on his shoulder, and they put him on Roman Reigns' uh, shoulder, and they delivered what I don't know what you would call it a double triple or triple double power bomb. What a way to end that match! The match might have been quick, but the finish was definitely memorable. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, I feel bad for uh, the road dog, Billy, and Kane, because Kane, these are all former champions. I mean, these are, you know, Hall of Famers, if you will, to be. Uh, They're formerly of DX, all of them, actually, I think. uh, I think Kane was part of uh, what teamed up with X-Pac something. Yeah, briefly, they were Yeah. Yeah, so, like, uh, I understand they're pushing uh, the other team this, and, uh, you know, they want to make them look good, but mm-hmm. do it at the expense of somebody else. Well, this not, is what not, you call passing the torch. Yeah, I agree. Well, that's what you call, like, uh, giving the torch, because, you no, know, at least have the Passing, brother. That's how it works. I understand, but that that was too short for uh, the team that made you a lot of money. 
and Road Dogg and Billy Gunn. They made you a lot of money if you're the WWE. And yeah, so they're so lucky to even be on the show for the, for the direction that they're going. Well, so what little well, time that we got uh, for, uh, with it, them it, right it, now it's all about money. great. It's all about the cash. Uh, it, when they came back in the beginning, as we all uh, attested to here, uh, Road Dog and Billy Gunn looked like they didn't miss a beat, and they yeah. still don't. And, you know, they don't look like old husbands like Ric Flair. So, you know, it, it, it's not right. I I don't care. They, 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 they should lose, but not like that. I mean, that's all I'm saying. Time but for the finish. Yes. We'll take a little break, and uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about a Hall of Fame and some controversy there. When uh, Mr. T started talking, J.J., you saw the whole thing, right? Oh, yes. I saw everything. Awesome. Uh, We will talk about what happened the night after uh, uh, WrestleMania. Uh, But uh, we will have some fun on the other side of this song. We will have uh, an in-depth report about uh, the WWE Hall of Fame. You're not going to want to miss it. What you saw on TV is not even close to what (laughs) really was said. So uh, we'll be right back uh, in a few few minutes, and we'll be talking about the Hall of Fame.
Well, the question is, uh, was the uh, WWE fan happy after it was all said and done? And welcome back to King George Radio. This is King George along with uh, Wrestling Insider Double J and uh, Chicago Sun Time Zone uh, Black Jack Brown. And uh, now we're going to talk about the Hall of Fame. Wow. Well, JJ, we started out with the uh, red carpet, and uh, I really liked it, that part. Yeah. What was your thoughts on it? Yeah, as you pointed out, this was the first ever red carpet. You know, oftentimes we've seen the pre-shows where we see those analysts and the panel of superstars talking about the events, but this was a much different. This They were at the Hall of Fame on the floor while a lot of the guys were being settled in. We saw, you know, Renee Young. We saw Michael Cole talking to people ringside like Mick Foley, uh, Roman Reigns, uh, Jake Roberts, or not Jake Roberts because he was in the Hall of Fame, but, you know, so many legends and superstars who were at attendance to the Hall of Fame. And it was just cool to see that different side of these guys and just appreciating the talent going in who paved the way for them. You know, it, it was different. It was cool. It wasn't your typical Hollywood red carpet. Oh, what are you wearing? What are you wearing? There wasn't none of that garbage. This was about the guys just appreciating the talent and remembering these superstars and legends for what they were. So that, that's what I really liked about it. It was really cool. No question. And, uh, Blackjack, uh, you were there live, of course. Yes. Uh, what was your impression of... Uh, the beginning of the whole thing where they had a delay out and everything in terms of uh, the whole, the, uh, the, you know, the way everything was set up. It was laid out um, superbly, you know. Um, they didn't, uh, that's their take on the red carpet. That's how it should be as far as wrestling goes. They, they they got this network. That network this week they uh, for that whole uh, like from Wednesday to like Sunday they developed like ten different types of shows. You know, yeah. one of them is the red carpet, and then uh, some of them for, for the nightlife. You're gonna see a show regarding that and the way they took over Bourbon Street, um, the House of Blues, uh, which I was uh, invited to. It, it was awesome. They they had a, a big party uh, there for the um, Hall of Famers and, and everything else. So just with this network, and they just got so many different shows came out of uh, Mania and the, and the Hall of Fame. You're gonna see a massive shows. They're massively thinking on different uh, ways to. Um, to, t- to take off with this network. They're just going to go even stronger than what we've seen right now. Oh, absolutely. And uh, JJ, the first inductee was Amy Dumas, a.k.a. Rita. Trish yeah. uh, introduced her, and yeah. Trish looked great, I must say. And uh, the first thing I should say, though, is they, they need a time uh, uh, restraint from this thing because uh, all these people uh, don't know when to shut up except uh, uh, what's his name, the Carlito guy who was inducted. He was in the house. Yes. Well, that's the thing about the uh, the Hall of Fame that was cool about watching it on the network is it really was uh, uncut. And the show was yeah. only supposed to 
be about two hours or so. It wasn't supposed to go over, and they wound up going over three and a half hours. So they really went over. And it's hard because while this is the Hall of Fame, these a lot of these superstars, their career is over. And they're just kind of giving that last opportunity to reflect and talk about their careers, how they got in, their highs, their lows. So it's very difficult to sort of give them a cutoff because you really do want to hear everything they have to say. But as you pointed out, I think uh, Lita and Trish, they went on very long. They, they, they themselves were just about an hour. Especially they took about, take. Yeah, they took about 45 minutes altogether, and that's just the first inductee, and you still have six more to go. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it wasn't that great. I mean... Uh, at least for Hall, Scott Hall, and, and Warrior, that's one thing, because for all intents and purposes, that was the main event. Uh, they were the main event of the Hall of Fame, especially Warrior. Um, but getting back to Lita, uh, look, Lamont is going to put it out that Lita was a great wrestler. Uh, she was unique. Uh, she uh, did that thing with Edge in the ring, which captured a lot of minds. But, uh, you know, like, the women's wrestling is not has not been the same uh, as uh, Blackjack and Dominic pointed out since uh, the Wendy Richter Moolah days. And uh, even, uh, like, uh, if you remember Rock and Robin and people like that, that was pure wrestling. Although, though, I must say, Lita uh, has a very unique talent. She was in the ECW managing uh, Danny Doring, who she brought up, and Roadkill. Uh, she is very unique. Uh, odd little, too, with those tattoos. And uh, I don't know, maybe some people might say... Uh, not a girl that you want to bring home uh, for dinner uh, if you're a youngin', and uh, I definitely think she deserved it. But it's a little tricky because you know you take a guy like Warrior, you know, he's a warrior, he's an icon, he's a legend, and if you go and look at the other sports, MLB, um, NBA, uh, uh, NFL, and especially MLB. You have to be super, but I understand they don't do that that way. They put anybody in there. Lita was not super. She was a very uh, uh, good wrestler. She wasn't great. She was good. And uh, she had a lot of talent. And uh, uh, for who, I'll say it like this, for who's in that Hall of Fame, she definitely deserves it. JJ, your thoughts? Well, you know, that's the thing is it's hard for any of us to really be able to talk about Lita for the simple fact we're all guys. We're all men. You know, wrestling is a men's sport. I mean, they're, it's dominated by men, and there are very few women that make it to this stage and have that impact. You know, if you ask a lot of women, you know, I went on Twitter online and I talked to a lot of the fans, and they all say, oh, Lita was my hero. Lita was my idol. Lita, uh, you know, A.J. Lee has uh, publicly said that she got into wrestling because of Lita. So Lita definitely has influenced a generation of women. 
And that's the thing. A lot of women yeah. looked up to Lita. She did things at the time that none of the guys could do. The flying Hurricane Ranas, the moonsaults, you know, she had a way about herself that was just, it was special for that time. And it was something that none of the other women at the time or even before could do. It was different. And that's what, what stood out for Lita. She was unique, as you, as you mentioned. She took a lot of risks. She pointed out that all she really wanted to do was just be a wrestler. She flew to Mexico with uh, not a lot of money, and she just goes, I want to be a wrestler. She told anyone that would listen, I want to be a wrestler. And she told a story about Arn Anderson and Rey Mysterio, and she wanted to meet Rey Mysterio, and Arn Anderson kind of hooked her up, and he says, you know, all I want in return is a beer. So at the Hall of Fame, they took this kind of moment where Lita gave him a beer, you know, so she like, finally paid him back. And, uh, you know, you go off her career, she did have a lot of great moments with a lot of guys. She mentioned the Hardy Boys, Edge and Christian, Kane, and, uh, of course, you know, Edge. She ended her career with... Uh, she said Team Extreme. That was Team very interesting. Yeah. They, and, you know, she Team was, Extreme instead of saying yeah. the Hardy. That's yeah. Good. But that's the, that's the thing. They were Team Extreme. They had T-shirts that said Team Extreme. So, I mean, right. she was a part of that group in the, in the sense. She mentioned when she broke her neck and all these doctors were telling her, you know, if you don't have surgery immediately, you're going to be paralyzed. And she didn't care what the doctors thought. The guys who spend their life, you know, studying and, you know, knowing everything they know about, she said, you know what, I want to call Stone Cold Steve Austin. And she mentioned, you know, Austin in her out, and uh, she mentioned, you know, breaking her neck on uh, James Cameron's TV show, Dark Angel, who she pointed out she didn't even know who James Cameron was because when you're a wrestler and you're on the coast so much, you kind of live in this little bubble and you don't really realize who these outside people are who are, you know, famous. James Cameron, my God. But, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was a great moment for Lita, and I'm sure a lot of women, it was a lot of great moments for a lot of women who idolized her. So... Uh, she does deserve her place in the Hall of Fame. Maybe she hasn't done as much or had a career as long as some of the women who are in the Hall of Fame or deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, but she's definitely someone that stands out for that attitude era. So, you know, she definitely earned her place. Absolutely. Uh, Blackjack, uh, give me your thoughts on Lita. I mean, she... She wasn't one of my favorites of, of all time. Uh, believe it or not, Mula is still uh, my my favorite wrestler of all time. I mean, I mean, she she is for what it is. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I I don't know what even what to say much about her. You know, I mean, she 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 was good. I mean, for her time, you know. But that woman wrestling, I, I never really uh, got into it like that. It's just a different. Uh, uh, aspect of to see women in that thing. I don't I really like seeing the women wrestling, even the divas, you know, but um, it is what it is. Well, uh, what did you think of uh, uh, in the ECW days? Did you uh, manage to take pictures of her? Did yeah. you talk to her? We weren't the best of friends, but just high and by, just to be cordial. I, I do give her her due for what she did in in, in the sport, and I think that she definitely um, should have gotten uh, the, the uh, Hall of Fame 
options, you know, she's she's not going to be doing it ever again at, at this point, you know. Oh, uh, no, definitely she, not. She deserved it. And another thing is with the whole saving, they flew in a lot of the wrestlers, like the honky tonk man. That's why you saw Jim Ross, who's not with the company. They want to make it like a whole reunion, you know. Yeah. And uh, but Jim Ross had front row oh, yeah. at the, at the uh, Hall of Fame. He did. Yeah. I didn't notice that. I thought I saw Hogan in front row. I know oh, that. That's, that was a lookalike. Right next to uh, yeah, uh, who his, his daughter and his uh, wife. No, everybody looks like his wife. Uh, and, and you know the story with that, but that's a whole new talk show. But Hogan knows best was on hand. That was very cool to have uh, him in the front row. Um, and secret so negotiations are definitely going on with Brooke Hogan and the network. Let that be a scoop for you. Oh, okay. Take a listen to this. his rightful place on Saturday night at the Hall of Fame, an emotional, emotional speech. When you just think back uh, in 1990s uh, when they had that movie, Beyond the Mat, and he was trying to score crack, and uh, he was looking ready to die, uh, Jake the Snake, 
wow, he absolutely did a 180, and he turned his life around. God bless Jake the Snake, and uh, what uh, an emotional, heartwarming speech, and it came from the heart. Everything that Mr. Snake said was just beautiful. What's your thoughts, JJ, on the induction of Jake the Snake Roberts? Well, you certainly, if you didn't know anything about Jake the Snake Roberts before, you definitely learned a lot now because he really went in-depth about his life. He talked about early on that he sort of hated wrestling because it was because of uh, his dad was in wrestling. He never got to see his dad. And he also pointed out that eventually he would end up doing that to his children. And he fell in love with wrestling, and he was never home for his kids. And, you know, it really hurt him that he couldn't be there for them. And as they pointed out, you saw that in the Beyond the, the Mat, that movie that came out in the 90s. And then he talked about, you know, with wrestling, you know, whatever goes on in your personal life, you have no control over it. But in wrestling, he had the control. And that there was a lot of women in his life that came in and out. But the one woman he never cheated on was professional wrestling. And he said he was a rotten and you know, sometimes the fans were laughing. They thought that was funny. Funny. Joking here. I'm being serious. You know, I was a real rotten person in my life, and you know, there was a time where I lost a lot of my friends, a lot of other wrestlers that died. And he said, "Why not me?" You know, and he couldn't commit suicide because he didn't want to think about what it would do to his children that his dad took his own life, and he was in a very dark and bad place. And it was DDP who saved his life and gave him the, uh, something positive. He said that and all, the, all the people who know DDP know that he is a stubborn SOB. You know, he's so positive and so uplifting, and he really saved him. And there was a time when he needed surgery, and he didn't have the money, and he didn't think anyone gave a crap about him, and he didn't know what to do, and he had to do the DDP yoga, but his body just couldn't do it anymore. And the fans were chanting, one more match, one more match. And he goes, no, I can't. There is no one more match. You know, and the fans were the ones who actually raised the money for him so that he could have surgery. And it really woke him up, and he realized that, wow, there are people out there that really do care about me and what happened in my life. It really made him want to change things and do better and uh, to just kind of be there and for his children, too, to reestablish his relationship. And he said that he was very happy to his family. He was very happy to DDP. He was happy that the WWE gave him a second chance because, you know, there was a very point in his life where, you know, he, he might not still be here today. He was in a very dark and very bad place. But uh, he did say the one thing he really did love, and as I pointed out earlier, that he would he couldn't stop loving was wrestling. And it was, you know, it was such a, his relationship with wrestling, he loved it, he lived it, he breathed it. You know, DDP even said when he inducted him that this guy, he could just talk with you for a few moments and you could learn so much from him. Just uh, his ring psychology and how to deliver promos and just his unique ability to be believable and mesmerizing and capture your attention. Jake Roberts was a very special individual and definitely has uh, a huge history in wrestling. He was never a world champion. 
he didn't win a lot of fancy belts, but he he did so much. He was so memorable here that you'll never forget Jake the Snake Roberts. And I'm very happy that he's in a good place in his life now, and now he's sober and he is in the WWE Hall of Fame, and he definitely worked his ass off to be in it. And uh, when he broke down, it was very sad to see that in... Uh, uh, just riveting, uh, riveting from uh, Jake. Totally uh, unbelievable, unbelievable. Blackjack, your thoughts on Jake the Snake Roberts? Yeah, and the, the man definitely uh, one of the best of all time. Uh, he was a great guy. He definitely around in my era. Uh, he was a great guy. Fun to hang around with, and um, he was definitely a, a wild person uh, behind the scenes as well. But um, in, in time, and uh, with AIDS catches up to you too, you know, and you got to take it easy and get in, uh, somewhat better health for yourself, and, and that's the road that he's on with the help of DDP. And um, it was great to see him and uh, Scott Hall. Razor Ramon, we'll, we'll get into in, in a little bit, but these guys were just well-deserving to get that trophy while they are still around today. And J.J., he uh, actually showed his uh, children, which was very heartfelt. Oh, yeah. They were there, uh, his little girls, who he said that his children were his heroes. And that, you know, because of, the, of them, you know, he's still here today and he feels that he's in such a good place. And uh, he's very happy that his family gave him an opportunity to accept him and to be a part of their lives, you know, his children and their children. And he even said that, Vince McMahon, you better watch out because I got some kids who are going to be headlining WrestleMania 50 and 75. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Jake was well worth the price of admission. Okay, then came out uh, the celebrity wing, if you will, and uh, it looked like it was going to start okay. And uh, as I was reading the tweets, uh, somebody wrote, uh, are they inducting Mr. T's mother? Because he must have must mentioned his mother uh, at least a hundred times. I mean, you know, they had to get Kane to come out and tell him to shut up already and get out. Uh, I thought uh, he went too long. It was, you know, look, Mr. T was great in his day. I understand that. It was very tricky. Uh, he did not deserve a long speech like that. He was not really a big part of WWF or WWE. So all this, the speech, which was mainly, you know, he, you know, he has some issues probably with his mother, and he probably wants to get it off his chest. I understand that, but well, the, uh, the fans definitely tried to uh, uh, let him have, have his, his way to some extent, you know, without chiming in, which was good. And um, Mr. T was taken aback. He said, "Man, these fans are really accepting this." But they they were really like getting bored, like a Fandango type of a deal, you know. And I don't think he was really fully getting that. 
And then they finally got uh, with um, Kane with his music. That was the best way he had to get him off. And you could see that he, you know, he was sorry, but he just definitely got carried away with himself. And he was talking about his mother and his brothers, you know. As far as the wrestling world, you know, they they, they try to give him his due, but you know, enough was enough of it, you know, already. So they did what they can do to not really try to embarrass the the, the guy, you know. Yeah, because he did a very good job of doing that himself. Mr. T was a bad, bad spot. They should have went over it with him, what to say. And uh, I don't know. It was good to see him, no doubt. But as far as that, that speech, it was awful. I just got to say it the way it is. And I'm not going to hold back here. What you know what was you, awful? The, the, the worst thing that I've seen of that night, I hope they don't do this again, the little bowl uh, Gording uh, Jerry Lola uh, uh, in, in, in the nuts. That was terrible. I don't know why they did that. I don't know if they thought that they needed some comedy after you know Jake Roberts was that kind emotional. of thing. You need you, you you don't put inside the Hall of Fame. Exactly. There's no way that that, that belongs. Doesn't have I, I I missed what you said. What didn't belong? With the boring of Jerry Lawler. Did you see that, King? Maybe they cut that part out of it. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, Hornswoggle came out with El Torrio. They were chasing each other in the ring. Jerry Lawler was trying to get to go away. Hornswoggle left, but El Torrio would not leave. Instead, (laughs) El Torrio charged Jerry Lawler and gored him in the nuts. Oh, God. That was ridiculous. Bad taste. Very bad place. As Blackjack said, it didn't belong there, not at the Hall of Fame. You want to do that on Monday Night Raw, fine, but not the Hall of Fame. That should be sacred. Yeah, they really didn't have this one organized. Uh, A lot of spots that were just fucked up. I mean, uh, Mr. T, uh, what you guys just mentioned. But, uh, uh, Kane then comes out to uh, induct uh, Paul Bearer, which I thought was very nice. I thought, and I'll tell you, Kane speaks very well, very well spoken. Kane, what do you think, JJ, of the uh, uh, Paul Bearer? Well, she pointed inducted? out. I think that was done intentional before with Mr. T. Mr. T went on about his mother, and towards the end of his speech, he said, you know, I love my mama on Election Day, President's Day, and the fans were getting into it. They were chanting, what? What? He goes, on Halloween, on Christmas. I love my mother even on Father's Day. And at this point, then Kane came out and dragged him away, and then Kane said, you know, Mr. T was going on and on about his mama. I want to talk about my daddy. And, you know, that was the cue in Paul Bear's uh, induction. So I thought in that regard, it, it definitely had the right follow-through with Kane coming in to induct his, you know, quote-unquote father, Paul Bear. So that was done very well. And as you pointed out, Kane did a really great job, you know, honoring Paul Bear's career. He mentioned, you know, when Paul Bear in 1974 tried to wrestle, he was Mr. X. But then eventually he would turn and become a manager in world-class championship wrestling as Percy Pringle. Uh, And and, uh, he mentioned that he really was a mortician. So that whole Paul Bear character, 
I mean, he kind of really fit that because he did that for a living. So when he came into the WWE in 1990, and all of a sudden they have this wrestler called The Undertaker, and they kind of gave him this sort of mortician gimmick where, you know, he's Paul Bear and he's going to be speaking for The Undertaker, and it just worked out so perfectly. You couldn't have anyone better to be the manager to this Undertaker than Paul Bear. And he did such a great job with the character and that creepy voice, the look, and then what he did later on, his relationship with Taker and then turning on him and then uh, managing Vader and Mankind. And then even Kane pointed out that without Paul Bear, there really is no Kane because Kane came in, I mean, granted, as the Undertaker's brother, but Paul Bear was his sort of bastard father. So without that bastard father, you don't have Kane. So uh, it was a big relationship between Kane and Paul Bear. He even uh, talked about traveling together and going to arenas, and because the fans couldn't see who he was, he would wear a ski mask, and, you know, Paul Bear would give him a hard time, and he would ask him to play nothing but uh, country music, which is what he uh, loved to listen to. So uh, it was really cool, and then eventually his biological sons came out, and they thanked everyone, and, you know, they thanked the WWE, and they had the turn, and they even in their best voice did a Paul Bear imitation, which then led to, of course, The Undertaker, and The Undertaker showed up in full gear with the dark lights, raising the urn in his signature pose, so there really was uh, no greater way to induct uh, Paul Bear than uh, what they did. I thought it was just very well done. Yeah, I totally agree. What about you, Blackjack? What did you think? I thought it was great, and uh, ended with the sons uh, being there, and... Um... One of the sons looked like Paul Bearer. Yes, they Just did. Just like him. Yes. And Paul Bearer would be one, one of the best guys of all time. Definitely one of the best guys of all time. He would have loved this thing without a doubt. He was always into about this. He was always into the, the, the wrestling aspect, and to be honored the way he was, I wish he would have been able to see it. Maybe in the other life he's able to see it, you know. But yeah. um, he, he definitely... Loved wrestling and, and and everything surrounding it. The uh, fan. He was really a great person. He was a well person to know as well. No question. Then we had Kevin Nash who came out with the NWO music and uh, did some talking and uh, introduced the bad guy, Razor Ramon, a.k.a. Scott Hall, who came out. And looked like a new person uh, from that video where he was doing that independent show and didn't even know where he was. And uh, he looked so much healthier, uh, so much better. He was yeah. talking with uh, stuttering or, or anything like that. He was really on top of his game, and that was great to see. And uh, he definitely uh, deserved it, JJ. Oh, yeah. That was really well. I know exactly what you're talking about. In fact, I think ESPN did a documentary on Scott Hall. And to see that documentary and to then see the man we saw at the Hall of Fame ceremony, it was almost like two different people completely. What we saw with Scott Hall 
at the Hall of Fame. He was moving just like he did in the old days when he kind of had that kind of oozing machismo. You know, it was really cool. And I should point out that even though he was inducted as Razor Ramon, the, the WWE posted photos of the Hall of Fame rings. And on Razor Ramon's ring, it's etched inside the ring, Scott Hall. So the ring says Scott Hall. Even though he's being inducted as the character Razor Ramon, the ring says Scott Hall. So I just oh, that's to cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was, that was uh, issued on WWE.com. They had photos of the rings, and uh, Scott Hall's ring has Scott Hall, not Razor Ramon. So I cool. just wanted to point that out. But uh, a yeah, very cool uh, induction. Uh, Kevin Nash talking about them being friends and how he was green, and Razor was really not only just a good friend, but he became his mentor, and he talked about the click. And, you know, when you're driving on the road with these guys almost 300 days a year, they really become your family. And then, of course, Scott Hall, when he came out, and, of course, when you hear Scott Hall, you got to hear the, hey, yo. So that was cool. Yeah. That. That's what it started and, uh, with. It started with the hey, yo, and he talked again, much like Jake Roberts. He talked about wrestling. You know, in, in the real world, there's a lot of things that are out of your control, and, you you know, you just, it's, you know, life in general is so unpredictable. You have your good and your bad. But in the wrestling world, Razor Ramon was always doing better than you, Chico. So he always felt good and happy. And in that ring, it was just an experience that you can't put into words when you have all these fans who just kind of, you know, worship you and love you and support you. It's just an unbelievable feeling, he said. And, uh, you know, he didn't always have that feeling when he was outside the business, and he always felt very bad, and he did a lot of bad things. But uh, as he pointed out at the end of his induction, he said, bad times don't last, but bad guys do. <laughs> so that was very cool. And that then, of course, was great, and that was trending worldwide. That was yeah. so good. And then the click came out, uh, Triple H, Nash, Waltman, Michaels, and we had that kind of big re- moment where they were all together at the Hall of Fame. Very cool. Right. In shades of uh, when they went in the uh, uh, garden, in Madison Square Garden, and uh, when they were off to uh, WCW, Razor yeah. and Diesel, they uh, posed. Uh, at the house show in New York, I think yeah. you were there, Blackjack. Yes, I was. Uh, um, and the WWE Hall of Fame, you know, they can uh, skip a couple of beats. You know, they can have a couple of bad moments, but uh, this was definitely was worth it. You know, even oh, yeah. all, all in all, um, with Scott Hall and uh, Ultimate Warrior and Jake Roberts, I mean, those three and Paul Bearer, you know. That what what made the Hall of Fame for me, you know. It, it didn't have to be the, the other people, uh, you know, that were that was inducted. Those are like filler ins. Carlos Colon, you know, uh, that's like a filler in, but he deserved the the, the Hall of Fame, you know. But um, it, was, it was worth it just to see those four wrestlers get, getting inducted, you know. That's what the oh, Hall of Fame is all about. No question about it. And uh, that's right. We had uh, Carlito along uh, with, uh, that was what, Primo and who else, JJ? Epico, his cousin. Right. So uh, they uh, inducted uh, uh, Cologne, and uh, he was very brief. 
But I want to go to Blackjack since you, uh, that's your era. What did you think of that? As I said, it was definitely uh, uh, people like him, Carlos Colon, uh, Abdul the Butcher, um, sh- sh- you know, who got inducted uh, several years back, you know. And you take homage to these guys since they uh, have the, the people of that nationality still uh, that watch uh, that, uh, the wrestling and the WWE and, and the network, you know. The network is all over the place, so you want to induct people who really deserve it, and Carlos Colon definitely uh, deserved it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, somebody mentioned the Cauliflower Alley Club. I don't know who, but uh, it was mentioned. So just uh, if it it comes to me, I will uh, mention it. But I thought that was very unique since that's sort of like a rival to the WWE. Um. Uh, but well, in any event, the Cauliflower Alley was uh, had that um, awards awarded, awarded the wrestlers uh, a lot uh, earlier than WWE did, you know. So it was nice to take, to take to give them some kind of homage, you know. Yeah, that's more of a professional uh, Hall of Fame. People say, you know, Billy Caputo is uh, in that Hall of Fame, and uh, Permanent was in that Hall of Fame before he went to the WWE. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, so you had uh, uh, you had that mentioned. And, uh, well, the next one was the one that people were waiting for indeed. Let's take a listen. As I thought about what I was going to say, this evening, it's been hard for me to find the words. That's. Oh. <laughs> oh this is going to be great. And let me do the talking. (laughs) No WWE talent becomes a legend on their own. Every man's heart one day beats its final beat. His lungs breathe their final breath. And if what that man did in his life makes the blood pulse through the body of others and makes them bleed deeper in something than larger than life, then his essence, his spirit, will be immortalized by the storytellers, by the loyalty, by the memory of those who honor him and make the running the man did live forever. 
You, 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 you are the legend makers of Ultimate Warrior. In the back, I see many potential legends, some of them with warrior spirits, and you will do the same for them. You will decide if they lived with a passion and intensity, so much so that you will tell your stories and you will make them legends as well. I am Ultimate Warrior. You are the Ultimate Warrior fans. And the spirit of Ultimate Warrior will run forever! The Ultimate Warrior, the newest member of the Hall of Fame. Well, that was raw. And uh, that's not what we got, but uh, it was definitely a uh, good moment there as the Ultimate Warrior came back to Raw, uh, the first time on Raw since the uh, summer of 1996, believe it or not. So that's a little uh, trivia that you might want to know. But, uh, wow, what can I say? Ultimate Warrior, Wow. Amazing. You had Linda McMahon come out, and, uh, wow, uh, Linda McMahon introducing Warrior was just odd. I thought I thought that, uh, you know, Warrior came out. Uh, he didn't look at Hogan, who was in the front row. He tried to avoid him. Uh, what I did like, though, he talked about the, uh, the people like the ring boys, the those type of people, he gave them props. Uh, he gave the Brooklyn Brawler because when the Brooklyn Brawler was, uh, uh, when the Warrior was just coming up, the Brooklyn Brawler was doing jobs for the Warrior every night on the house show circuit, and Warrior didn't forget it. Warrior must have brought up the DVD over ten times at least. Uh, and, uh, of course, the DVD he's referring to was the one that 2005, the WWE, came out with uh, a DVD called uh, The uh, Rise and Fall of the Ultimate Warrior, or The Self-Destruction of the Ultimate Warrior. And uh, it was very anti-warrior. There were uh, a lot of terrible things being said about warrior. It was a revenge thing because... uh, Vince wanted him back at 2005 uh, to be a part of, of the Hall of Fame and other adventures, and, you know, they still weren't talking. But um, another thing that was funny, um, when he said, yeah, I wish we could get the F and the fucking F instead of the E, because he kept, <laughs> he kept saying WWF. Uh, also, I thought a special moment when he referred to his two beautiful uh, children and uh, being your dad is uh, is the best thing in his life. And he referred to his beautiful wife, Dana, 
uh, when the fan said, thank you, warrior, he said, no, 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 thank you. And uh, he uh, he got the uh, chance of, yes, yes, yes. And he said something very funny. He said, whoa, I haven't been around here in a while. As if to say, like, this wasn't going on in my day, uh, Warrior. I thought he was absolutely riveting and absolutely exciting. And, uh, and King, did, did, did he give them what the fans wanted, the majority of fans? Because they were saying, I don't know if they cut it out, but a lot of the fans were saying, shoot, shoot, shoot. Did he do that? Did that come across on, on, the, on the TV? Yes, I believe so. Uh, Warrior was not going to be – he wanted to say anything he wanted to say. He said, Right, that's what he was allowed – was he, do you think oh, he was allowed to say what he, what the fans wanted him to say? Because I, I don't know if it, if it ended that like that. What, what uh, they wanted him to just shoot uh, on the aspects of, of, of the career. He Did that happen? He had his mother there. He has his children there and his wife. There's also a point where he has to be respectful, too. And, uh, you know, he can't go that crazy. So give him a break from that standpoint. Uh, he did say he did call the WWE out and, and basically said, you know, you, you guys were assholes in 2005 for making that stupid DVD, and I agree with him. And I just thought he brought it home. And uh, very exciting to see uh, Warrior. He, I, it was real. That's why it was so exciting. He talked about how real it was to get a meeting with Vince McMahon. It was so real. That's what I got out of the warrior. You know, he was the one guy who would not say no to Vince McMahon, would not back away. You know, he spoke of a story of Bad News Brown. He thought he would be the guy, and he was proven wrong. As Warrior points out, everybody's scared to stick up to Vince, the almighty God, uh, Vince McMahon, but Warrior did, and uh, it was just amazing, besides the fact that he kept sweating all night, uh, I loved it, I loved it, I thought it should have shaved, but all in all, uh, I give it a, an A uh, for the Warrior, so say you, J.J., yeah, I mean, uh, as you pointed out, I was very surprised Linda McMahon inducted him, but then when I heard her speak, I never realized the relationship she had with him where she was talking to him, and whenever he was frustrated with Vince or the, the direction of the company, Linda would be the one to listen to him and to sort of calm him down. So in a way, I guess I understood why she did it instead of somebody else. But once Warrior went up there, I think he got his message across, as you pointed out, he thanked his wife for being there for him when there were times where he was unraveling, as you pointed out. Uh, he said he did a lot of great things in the WWE, but the greatest thing he ever did was be a father to his kids. And he, he mentioned a conversation he had with Vince where Vince said, you know, you think you're a legend in your own mind. Well, after all this time, now he's a legend in Vince's Hall of Fame. And uh, he mentioned it's inspiring 
to see what DDP has done for Roberts and yes, Scott Hall, yes. guys who were self-destructing. And uh, then he did point out the DVD, and he mentioned that he was very angry, very sad, and that the DVD broke his heart because so many guys who uh, at the time never said anything bad to his face and now all of a sudden they're saying all this stuff uh, on this DVD. And as you pointed out, he, he did call it the WWF a few times, and he did say, put the F back. Because, I mean, all these times you got people talking about, hey, did you see the match with those uh, guys from the wildlife? You know, and he kind of made a joke about that. And the fans, yeah. of course, uh, one more match, and he said, nope, you know, you're, you're no too more match. Uh, I appreciate it, but uh, it's not going to happen. And he said, uh, I mean, look, a lot of the people said that Warrior has the reputation of being blown up, you know. And he said, I'm already out here talking and I'm blowing up, you know. He was he was really <laughs> emotional. He was sweating bullets, as you pointed out. And, uh, you know, he, he definitely gave props to, uh, as you pointed out, the, the crew, the guys who are there who you don't see on camera, the guys who make everything possible, you know, and uh, – he did mention, uh, as you pointed in that one Raw clip, that he did say that, uh, you know, the Ultimate Warrior is a legend, but the Ultimate Warrior fans are legendary. And he says that when you work hard for something, it's well worth it. And he said he sees a lot of guys out there who are working hard and to, uh, you know, never give up on their dreams and to believe in themselves. And he definitely said that, you know, once, you're, once you've accomplished your dream in the WWE, to follow that sort of uh, dream and, you know, pursue, you know, careers outside of the WWE because eventually this is going to be up. And as great as it is now, it's going to come to an end and you have to figure out what to do next. So talked about a lot of different things. It wasn't so much a shoot, but I did hear the fans chant shoot. They wanted Warrior to go off. But as you pointed out, King, it's the Hall of Fame. It's about being classy. His mother was there, so we thank you know, his children yeah. were there. It's not a time for him yeah. to be cursing and doing his shtick there. You know, yeah. It, it was uh, interesting, though, when he did say, and I think this might have been directed towards Hogan, uh, when they kept chanting one more match, he said, you know, I see people in the business stay and stay and, you know, it's time to go. And yeah. uh, something along those lines, he said, as I think he was referring to Hogan, as if you notice, he avoided Hogan. Like, uh, he would not make eye contact with Hogan. Like Why is that? His, What's up with that? Uh, well, you have uh, you have that situation uh, in, with the YouTubes and the uh, Warrior. Hogan said on the record that uh, he he wants to, you know, put whatever happened aside. You know, Hogan did do a lot of going and running around and, and saying that, uh, you know, Warrior was a joke. Uh, you, you know, he's uh, he, he, he said that uh, it was a bad decision for him to get the title at WrestleMania six. Uh, I don't think so in hindsight. Uh, Hogan, you know, there's a lot of people think it was just one-sided. Hogan, when he did a special interview with The Voice, um, and uh, he sat down, and then Warrior rebutted with all those YouTube videos, it wasn't 
uh, Warrior first. It was Hogan who pointed out. He said he blew up uh, in the interview. You know, this is uh, the year Macho Man died two years ago. Um, so, you know, he there's no love loss, but at the end of the day, you know, he put on his best match with Hulk Hogan, and ironically, he put on his worst match with Hulk Hogan in WCW. So, very exciting. What you saw on Raw is not even 2% of uh, what you saw on the actual live uh, feed uh, in terms of Warrior and everybody else. Would you agree, J.J.? Oh, without a doubt. Like I said, the Hall of Fame was, you know, three and a half hours, and what we saw in Raw was just a very, you know, short segment of Warrior coming out. But it was very cool to see him have the trench coat with the dye and to put on the Warrior mask. That was pretty cool. So it was a, a cool moment on Raw, but what you saw in the Hall of Fame, that was just, that was it, man. That was really special. And to see, you know, Robert, and uh, Scott Hall and uh, Ultimate Warrior, they definitely made this year's Hall of Fame special. It was definitely a Hall of Fame for the fans. This might have been the best Hall of Fame. I mean, the one with Hogan and Iron Sheik was good, and that crowd, uh, but I don't remember such a good Hall of Fame with Scott Hall, Razor, you know, uh, Warrior, Mr. T, you know, Paul Barra, who was just, you know, Carlos Colon was he okay even? Uh, just a very, uh, you know, very good group this year. You would you agree, JJ? Well, yeah, you definitely can't argue with the group. And like I said, these are guys who are fan favorites, even Paul Bear and Lita. And, you know, Mr. T, love him or hate him, he did impact WrestleMania. He was a big seller to that main event with Hogan, and he even came back for WrestleMania two with Piper. So everybody there did something. Carlos Colon, he was a legend in Puerto Rico. He had his own, you know, uh, federation, the World Wrestling Council, which I believe uh, Carlos Colon and the WWE has worked out some sort of arrangement. Yes, that they the have. WWE Network will be airing some of the World Wrestling Council footage in their archives. Yeah. That, that will come I know later Tom on. Dick will be happy to hear that. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, also, Warrior signed some kind of deal. Did you hear about that, JJ? Yes. Uh, as you, I, I don't know if it was pointed in the Hall of Fame or it was on Raw, but I do remember Warrior saying that he is definitely going to be sticking around. He's going to be a sort of spokesman or an advocate for the WWE. He's had some sort of arrangement that he will be working with the WD for the at least the foreseeable future. He does have an arrangement with him, so he definitely will be some sort of goodwill ambassador. Yes, that's that's exactly what uh, they said with regard to the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, okay, I want to thank you, Blackjack and JJ. This was a tremendous show, very oh, informative. Wow. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. We, didn't, we didn't even get to Raw. I mean, it was such a great show. WrestleMania, the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and I forgot about we didn't even get to Raw. Let's sum up Raw real quick. 
Yeah, Raw, you know, it was, I think, one of the biggest uh, Raws of the year. The Raw after WrestleMania is always huge. It, I think it even got five, 5 million viewers. So it was definitely one of the highest rated uh-huh. Raws in a whole long time. It kicked off the show with Daniel Bryan and the Authority. We then uh, Triple H scheduled a match between himself and Bryan, and all of a sudden we're thinking, oh, great. You mean Bryan was able to keep the belt? Well, that's what I'm going to get into. The the match started off on Raw where Triple H had a match with uh, Daniel Bryan for later in the show, and we thought that Bryan might lose the title. They just He just won it the night before, and he could very well lose it. Later on, we did see the Wyatt take on Sheamus, Big E, and John Cena. Oh, my God, the fans at the arena were singing. He's got the whole world in his hands. The, the fans were just nuts. They were awesome. They were into everything that was going on with Bray Wyatt in that match. They were uh, clapping along to his theme music. They were even chanting, Wyatt's going to kill you. It was just a great uh, atmosphere at Raw. The Wyatts picked up the win. So they sort of got redemption against John Cena. Next up, very quickly, there was Fandango and Summer Rae and Emma and Santino. It was very quick. Santino and Emma got the victory with that Emma lock. Next up, as I pointed out, Paul Heyman had the promo of a lifetime when he put over Brock Lesnar for defeating the streak. He pretty much came out and said, I told you so. And he pointed out that he even said, I'm going to shoot with you and say that Vince left WrestleMania, which is true. There were reports that uh, all the night before that Vince left WrestleMania. He went to the hospital with The Undertaker, and it's true. It really did happen. He pointed out Hogan and the Superdome because Hogan thought he was at WrestleMania 3 at the Silverdome. And he pointed out that the fans. He pointed out that, uh, you know, there are a lot of fans at the arena who, who are very involved, and they're all wannabes. He pointed out the locker room, all the wrestlers in the, in the locker room who want to be a champion, that they're all wannabes. He said that The Rock, Hogan, and Austin are all wannabes. They want to be like Brock Lesnar. They want to be a legit badass like Brock Lesnar. And he was calling out all these people and calling them, you know, wannabes. And he pointed out again... Brock Lesnar was the one in uh, 21, and he defeated, you know, the Undertaker, and we may never see the Undertaker again. And he did point out uh, that Brock Lesnar isn't here to put smiles on people's faces. Brock Lesnar is here to put tears in the eyes of children. (laughs) So that was just, you know, Paul Heyman, like I said, he was at his best. He was unbelievable, and uh, that was it. Uh, Brock Lesnar left the building, as far as we know, but Paul Heyman would stick around. And uh, next up, we saw Batista and Randy Orton against the Usos in a non-title match. It uh, ended up in a double countout. But just to see the seeds being planted where Batista and Orton are now working together and that they're sort of going against with uh, the authority and there may be some sort of evolution reunion possibly happening. So, oh, wow. I'm, I'm very curious to see where that goes. And uh, the returning Rob Van Dam. Rob Van Dam made his triumphant return. We haven't seen him in months since he was going up against Del Rio for the world title. He took on Damian Sandow in a very quick match. He hit his moves. He looked as good as ever. Rob Van Dam picked up the win. 
And then next up, finally, Wade Barrett. Ted Bob is uh, 42 years old. That's yeah. crazy. He still has yeah. it like that. The fans you know. got it, you know, so he didn't slow down one bit. So it was great to see him. He hit that That's one. Remember, yeah. you know, uh, my first point today, the you still got it chant started, where, you know, back in 2008 with Sting. I don't know if that's true or not, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the you still got it chance. TNA also had the uh, main event with the participants in the ring, and then WWE stole that as well. You know, in the main event, like, everybody's already in the ring? Yeah. That was done first by TNA. And then it wasn't until TNA did it that I saw the WWE do it. And as other people have pointed out, too. Yeah. So, well, like I said, WWE has borrowed a lot from TNA that a lot of people don't talk about. Just the introductions, when you watch Raw, there's this recap of what you saw last week. TNA was doing that, you know, years before. Uh, WWE's just been doing it for maybe the last two or three. But TNA was doing it long before. There's, you know, they borrow things from each other. There's nothing uncommon. TNA gets ideas from WWE. WWE gets ideas from TNA. It's something that you had even when WCW and ECW were around. No, absolutely no question. And uh, where do you see... Uh uh, like, uh, where do you see, uh, uh, what's the next pay-per-view, first of all? Extreme Rules. Extreme Rules will be happening in May. I don't know where it is, but it should be great following WrestleMania. You're definitely going to see a lot of, uh, sort of grudge matches and a lot of new feuds are going to be starting. We may even see a potential, uh, Shield versus you know, Evolution, or we may see Daniel Bryan teaming up with the Shield. I'm not sure what will happen. But uh, Extreme Rules should be a good, solid pay-per-view. They'll finally have some, you know, hardcore matches to an extent. Well, you'll see some tables and some chairs, and the WWE will get a little bit more physical. Even though it's still PG, uh, the Extreme Rule pay-per-views are usually pretty uh, entertaining. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you, Blackjack. Thank you, KJ. This was a very informative show, as I said before. Hey, definitely. Thank you, King. Thank you, JJ. And I wish I would have been able to see you passing through uh, Chicago, but um, next time around, JJ. Absolutely, Blackjack. You take it easy, man. And thanks, King. Uh, great show tonight, man. A lot of fun. Absolutely. And, of course, Thursday at 9 p.m., we have the uh, Bodyguard for the Stars. The bodyguard of uh, Paris Hilton, uh, Justin Bieber. Uh, he was the bodyguard for Michael Jackson and many more at 9 p.m. right here on uh, King George Radio. And uh, we're going to leave you, of course, with uh, Daniel Bryant. And uh, we will see you on Thursday. Take care, everybody. <laughs>